Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. The text is on the screen for today. I'm going to read it, and the next person you'll be hearing from is from Sierra, right? Uh, Luke chapter 22. Verses 39 to 46. And it reads, Jesus left the upper room with his disciples, and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. There he told the apostles, keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith that is about to come. Then he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed, Father, if you are willing, Take this cup of agony away from me, but no matter what, your will must be mine. Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him, and the angel appeared. He prayed even more passionately, like one being sacrificed, until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. When Jesus finished praying, he got up and went to his disciples and found them all asleep. For they were exhausted and overwhelmed with sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. You need to be alert and pray for strength to endure the great temptation. This is the word of the Lord. Help 
fuel to what God is doing in that neighborhood through house churches. So basically what that means is um, we pastor a whole network of people who gather in homes, groups like 15 to 20. Um, there's a time of meal because we think family, communion, fellowship is really important. So we spend time around a meal. And then um, we do worship. We sing. Um, we'll do maybe a liturgy or a song reading. And then we spend some time in the Word. But what's really unique and particular about our model is that there is rarely ever one person giving the Word. There is people, like all of us, each of us contributing. So we'll study the same scripture all throughout the week and then come on Sunday ready to share what God's been teaching us. And so I thought, well, I'd love to be able to bring what we do here in this space together today. So I want to kind of equip us um, to consider and think about how we want to host the presence of God in our own personal lives so we can show up in our relationships and our friendships and our workplace and in this space and our community groups and in all the ways that we're showing up in the world, the way in the places that we live, work, learn, and play, bringing the best selves of us and really being a vessel for the Holy Spirit to show people who don't know Jesus who Jesus is. So I'd love to just take some time to really think about how do we host the presence of God. I'm going to start with prayer. So um, I'm going to do more of like a contemplative centering prayer. So if you want to get comfortable, close your eyes, plant your feet firmly on the floor, and take a big deep breath. Recognize your scattered senses. As you breathe deeply, Acknowledge the ways that your mind is wandering. And know that is okay. Focus your mind and your heart and your being on Jesus. If he were to be walking into this room to sit next to you, what would you feel? How would you greet him? How would your senses tingle? Would you be in tune to his love for you? So Father, as we take a moment to be still, to acknowledge your presence in this room, to acknowledge your presence dwelling within us. We thank you, Father, for being creator. The Alpha and then the Omega. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, for your love, for your pursuit of who we are. We thank you, Holy Spirit, because you are good and you are for us and you are helping us discover more about who you are. Pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for um, So, yeah, so like I said, we're going to talk about hosting the presence of God. And this is something that I have um, not been so great at. 
Um, because reading, like truthfully, reading the Bible to me sometimes feels like reading a dictionary and I feel nothing. And I hate that I feel nothing because I'm like, oh man, like I'm a pastor, I'm a believer, and I should like be on fire for Jesus. And sometimes when I sit down with my Bible, I'm like, this doesn't feel good. And I like turn some pages and like read it to get it done with and then close the Bible and move on. And I've noticed that when I engage with God that way, my life tends to express itself so. Like my, I can see that in the ways that I engage in my relationships with coworkers or um, my spouse or my friends, my parents, I can tell that I, I am in unhealth when I am not engaged in the word truly. Because I can read scripture all day long and it not change the fruit of my spirit, it not have an effect on the way I engage in the world. Um, but when I'm truly sitting in the presence to just like pause, reflect on like, what am I even feeling right now? Ask God, like, I can't do this, I'm not enough. This, reading the Bible sucks and I hate it and I don't wanna do this right now, but I'm gonna submit to you and surrender to that. Then like, when I, actually connected to doing that part, my whole life, oh my gosh, I'm actually a nicer person, and my family likes being around me, and that's okay, and let's keep going, like, I want to keep doing that. So I really want, I hope that we can spend some time uh, reflecting on how Jesus models hosting the presence of God, so that we can kind of take this into um, our lives. So, um, what I wanted to start with is 1 Peter 2.9. And why I'm starting here is because it talks about being a royal priesthood. We can't host the presence of God if we're not first considering that we are a royal priesthood. We have been given the authority to enter into a presence with the God, to, to be the one who is hearing from God, who is the mouthpiece of God, right? So 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So priests have been anointed and gifted with the status to speak directly to God. And as believers, we are a royal priesthood. Therefore, we have been given and anointed the authority to speak directly to God. And so when we bring that into our personal lives, like the scripture says, we declare his praises. But if we are not committing time to the Lord in the word, we don't know his praises, and then we can't reflect those praises and pray to praise those praises in the lives of the people that we're around. And so we have the authority, You, we each have been anointed with the authority to commit to time with the Lord. I'd love to go back to our scripture. Luke 22, 39. We're going to focus on 39 and 44. And um, I'm reading from the Passion because I am a feelings person and I really like how emotional it is. So sorry if you're not. Luke 22, 39. Jesus left the upper room with his disciples and as was his habit, went to the Mount of Olives, his place of secret prayer. There he told the apostles, Keep praying for strength to be spared from the severe test of your faith that is about to come. Then 
he withdrew from them a short distance to be alone. I think we're going to stop right there for a second. As we consider hosting the presence of God, there are really four key um, steps that we can take that Jesus modeled um, as we engage with our quiet time. So in verse 41, we see that it says, He withdrew from them, the disciples, a short, short distance to be alone. Kneeling down, he prayed. So the very first thing that I see Jesus doing is he pauses. He pauses from all of the people. He pauses from um, his, uh, like, what he had just done, which I'll explain in a second. He pauses from everything that's kind of going on in his life and his ministry right now. He takes a second to stop. He withdraws from everybody and everything. He's completely alone. And he settles into a known position, which is this, like, sacrifice, submission, tenderness. In this like kneeling position, he's readying himself for what's going to be his um, death, essentially. So just before verses 39 to 44, if we were to back up a little bit, um, what has taken place in earlier part of Luke 22 is that the disciples and Jesus have the Last Supper. This is a Passover Seder, and they're engaging in um, all of the symbolism that is the Exodus story, how the Israelites came out of Egypt they were um, you know, saved by God and redeemed and brought to the promised land. Now, um, what is significant about Passover Seder is that there is uh, food that is used as a symbol for the journey that the Israelites have made. Sorry, guys. Pregnant. And <laughs> um, so, what Jesus is doing at this Last Supper is he is communicating to the disciples that all of the symbols of the Passover Seder actually point to him. This is like, I mean, the, I don't even think the disciples could even like comprehend what was happening because clearly later on you see like they're still denying Jesus. They don't fully understand. But Jesus has said like, hey, when we take the cups of wine together, traditionally this represents the story of the Exodus, but I am the blood that is poured out. And then the matzah, they're breaking it. They're talking about how this represents, you know, the, um, the hard work of the, the slaves and how they had to leave in a, in a hurry. And they're like, he's describing that all of the symbols that we're talking about that's been tradition passed on for generation to generation all points to me. It is my body broken. So he shared this. Then he goes away to the garden. And he's like, I mean, really feeling the weight of, okay, Judas has just betrayed him. He is about to be trained. He's just shared this. The disciples don't get it. Then he's like, guys, like this is about to happen. And he's feeling all these feelings, but he still pauses to withdraw. And so I think when we consider how we want to engage and host the presence of the, the God, of the Holy Spirit, we need to first pause. And simply, what that means is like taking a second outside of our our work life, our study life, our friend group, our whatever we have, our to-do list, all of the stuff that we have to do to just take a moment in our time to pause, like a moment in our day. If you have to block it out in your calendar to just sit and be and like allow your, the space for yourself to do that, then that is okay because Jesus did it. So the first thing was pause. The 
second thing that Jesus did to model how he hosted the presence of God while in this like moment of agony is to reflect. So verse 42 of Luke 22 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of agony away from me. But no matter what, your will must be done. So what I see here is that Jesus is reflecting. He's taking inventory of his emotional being. He's taking inventory of his mental space. He's taking inventory of what his physical body is feeling, of what his spiritual, like his soul is feeling. He's just taking inventory. And he calls out what he's feeling. I feel agony. What I'm about to do is agony. He recognizes the burden and the weight of what he's holding. And he's speaking out the authority that he knows that the Father has above his circumstance. The fa- like, the Father has the authority. And he knows this, and he calls it out. And I think there's something really significant about that. The third thing that Jesus does in verse 43, Jesus called for an angel of glory to strengthen him, and the angel appeared. So first he pauses. Then he's reflecting. The third thing he does is he asks. Jesus asks for strength. He calls upon the power of the heavens and he calls upon like what he knows the power that the Father has as in his moment of humanity. So I think that's something significant too, which we'll kind of unpack a little bit later. But in verse 44, which is our fourth step, says he prayed even more passionately like one being sacrificed, until he was in such intense agony of spirit that his sweat became drops of blood dripping onto the ground. The fourth thing that Jesus does here is he yields. He submits. He submits his will to the will of the Father, knowing that ultimately the Father's will is good, it is for him, it is for humanity, and that it can be trusted. And he prays for conviction with fervor. Like, I never prayed to even sweat, let alone sweat blood. So I I don't even know how to fully articulate the type of conviction that Jesus has when he's praying. But I'm like, oh, like, I want the hat. That's what I want. I want to be able to believe in the will of the Father over my will so much that I sweat. Like, that is intense. So we're going to try it. We're not going to try to sweat, um, but we're going to try to host the presence of God in these four things. Just as Jesus modeled, because he's going through more than will ever, any of our circumstances will ever amount to, because he was sacrificing his whole self for all of humanity and their salvation. So our, our circumstances will not measure up to that. But we do all carry weight. We all have a lot going on. We all have things in our lives that feel too much. And what Jesus does is he models for us, even in those moments, we can stop. We can reflect on how we're feeling because it matters. We can present that to the, to the Trinity and then be like, take this from me because it's your will that I want. I want holy indifference. I want to be the type of person that doesn't care about my outcome. I only care about yours. And so we're going to try it. We're going to try it together. Um, There is a quote from a book called The Hour That Changed the World, and I think we have... Yeah, there you go. Okay, so this quote says, 
Waiting on the Lord is basically the silent surrendering of the soul to God. Waiting upon the Lord requires our entire being. It is not drifting into daydreaming, but rather the exercise that demands our keenest attention, our most alert frame of mind, and all of our soul's attention to the heavenly voice. While pausing and waiting, says God, I love you. That's a lot. And it's something that we can cultivate, and it's a practice that we can engage in, but also, like, it's freeing to know that there is no God who's going to be mad at us if we don't. And there's no pressure to, like, be good enough at this. The freedom to just enter into this space is all we need. Because if we don't do it, Jesus is still going to love us. But we can try, and we can, like, flex this muscle a little bit at a time. So what we're going to do is we are going to just go through the four things together. It might be a little uncomfortable because I'm not just, like, preaching at you, but I hope that you engage in this process. I really hope that we can all be equipped in here together to contribute to something that we can kind of carry into our Monday or our Wednesday or Saturday or whatever. So we are going to pause, reflect, ask, and heal.